0: Welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast for the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm your host, Connor Chato, and today I'm joined by my co-host...
1: Nicole Poznov, and we're here with Shamira Andres. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. So this is kind of... uh, This will be a fun episode because Shamira and I are not only office mates and we not only have the same supervisor, but we're also really good friends. And her research is really, really cool. So why don't you start us off by telling us what
2: you do? So basically, I study ice in space and the sediments that form beside, underneath, over these ice body, icy bodies, um, particularly on Mars, and basically also in the Arctic on Earth, using it as a what we call a planetary analog, which just means it's a comparison um, to these things.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, no
2: pun intended. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's gonna come up. Uh, so. How well does Earth ice translate into space ice? I imagine it's probably some pretty different types of ice going on here on Earth or in Mars. Are they similar? How are they different?
2: There's a lot of different types of ice and different types of planets. And also on Earth, there's a lot of permafrost as well. So that's a type of ice as well as glaciers um, and rock glaciers and different types of glaciers. Um, However, I basically study... The, um, what it's called glacial sedimentology, or currently in periglacial environments, which means just permafrost environments. Yeah. Um, so I study kind of how the ice um, moves and how it's reflected on the subsurface. So what kind of landforms will you see if the ice moves in a certain way, or it freezes and it thaws? Um, so how does that kind of tell us what the environment what environment was in the past? And then that applies to Mars because we can't really go there. So I do a lot of field work in the Arctic um, where we can go and access and get samples and analyze these samples back in our lab here at Western. Um, Except for Mars, you can't really go there. So we just use a lot of remote sensing techniques, which is just looking at satellite images and looking at um, processing these images and extracting features as best as you can.
0: Cool. Uh, Would it be water-based ice like h2o based ice up there on Mars or does Mars have
2: um so, so there's some evidence that there has been water on Mars um, recently actually Gale um, in Gale crater curiosity just found um, a salt bed of ice cool. uh, of ice a salt bed um, of a dried-up lake um, so they're still investigating that that's recently in the news um, but there's co2 ice there's al- nitrogen as well uh, rich ice on Mars specifically and there's still some H2O as well but just very very thin layers in the ice caps I believe but on Earth there's mostly just water H2O Um, it's mostly like the oxygen isotopes that are different from each other
0: right yeah
2: and you go do your work in the Arctic I'm so jealous can you tell us a little bit more about what that experience is like yeah so I love field work it's um I think it's the best way to be learning um, something that you want to be an expert on and to be able to teach this to other people as well so I be- believe a lot that fieldwork is really good um, a really good form of experiential learning kind of thing um, but as well it's really hard um, as you can tell um, it's very remote remote so I ha- before going there I had to get a few licenses um, so I had to get my remote um, wilderness first aid um, because there's no Doctors in the Arctic um, that high in the of a latitude in the Arctic, um, and it takes us a very long time to travel there, which is also very expensive and costly. And I also had to get um, my PAL license, which is your firearms license, because right. you had to have some sort of like self-protection, um, just in case there was a polar bear or any incident like that that would come up, <laughs> and you'd be able to handle a firearm properly. But you're not actually allowed to shoot at polar bears, it's illegal. Yeah,
1: no. So (laughs) what do you do? how do you
2: protect yourself? Um, We have a lot of bear bangers as well, so there's other forms of protection. So you would shoot a bear banger just as a warning and they hate mechanical sounds as well. So if that doesn't work, then maybe you can rev like an engine or something, usually an ATV or something would work and um, that scares them away. Yeah, that scares them away. Yeah. They don't, really don't like that.
0: Man, that is science out in the wild. That's yeah, that's really cool. How I, <laughs> How long have you been out there like how long have you been out there before?
2: Um so for my masters, I actually started a little early. I got a head start. Um, so in the summer of going into my masters, I quit my job because I was just si- I was like, "Oh, like, it's the Arctic. I have to go to the Arctic. So I even told my supervisor, I, okay, I'm ready to terminate my job and go with you wherever. Mm-hmm. And um, we went, except I wasn't a student officially just yet, but I was just a student assistant. So I didn't know what my master's project was, so I was kind of just helping out. Yeah. Um, so I went there last summer, and then I went again this summer for my actual master's data collection. Cool. Um, we o- usually go for six weeks or five weeks. So we went for the month of July because it's summer there until august and sometimes you even get snow still um also it's all daylight for the summer so it would be like still daytime when when it's 10 p.m and uh, you would not have any perception of time when you're there for six weeks and it's kind of weird coming back (laughs) i feel very (laughs) (laughs) I, i felt very very different like coming back i was like should I be going to the bathroom over here? <laughs> I forgot how to flush as well because usually it's just camp life. Yeah. So you just set up camp and all of that. And good you guys stuff. are just
1: intense the entire time.
2: Um, no, we have some fun times. Um, we had so our team this year was composed of eight people. Uh, we collaborated with people from University of British Columbia as well as ASU and the Finnish Geospatial Institute. So we all came together and met up. In Iqaluit which is the capital of Nineveh, and we hopped, island hopped, and the size of the plants kept getting smaller and smaller. and yeah. so we kind of um got a chance to get to know each other before going into the field. Um, it was really fun. We would sing songs some of the time to keep like the morale up. We would hike together up plateaus and <laughs> gullies. Um, but yeah, we, there was just a bunch of fun things that happened. During the field that were really memorable, and the collaborations are definitely worthwhile, and would I feel like they'd last a very long time.
0: That's super cool. Yeah. Do you do you find you like the kind of midnight sun sort of thing where it's just daylight all the time?
2: Um, I sort of sometimes do, but I also love sunsets. Yeah. And I never got to see that, and the northern lights. So. Oh, that's. And true. I never got to see that. Yeah, not <laughs> the yeah. right time. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Uh, It was kind of annoying sometimes to sleep because the first time I went, I didn't know that it was supposed to be all that bright. And so I didn't have anything to cover my eyes or anything like that. I would just put my hat over or my uh, like a sweater. I didn't even have a pillow. I just stuffed sweaters as my pillow. Um, But this year I kind of learned my lesson, so I slept more comfortably for sure. Yeah. yeah. People going to the Arctic, if you had to give them one advice to go up there, what's the best advice? Um, I would give them an advice to take everything in and be open to everything it's a lot of things can go wrong uh, as well especially if you're doing research there so just be flexible uh, with whatever this if you forget something just kind of keep rolling the motto um, keep moving on and finding new ways to fu- um, work stuff out um, yeah and just be positive cool and what's the most important thing to bring with you to the Arctic Oh, okay, this year I learned that you need to bring something that reminds you of home, kind Mm -hmm. of. So um, I think that made my experience like exponentially better because I just felt, even though I was like halfway up the world in the North Pole, um, that I was still kind of closer to home. So that comes from like snacks. Like I brought my childhood snacks that I would share with everyone um, because that would remind me of like happy times with my mom my parents my sister um and i also brought um things i would like normally like to go to bed with so i would i, I brought like a pillow that i usually hug <laughs> or my fuzzy blanket i bought my fuzzy brought my fuzzy blanket to the Arctic. that's awesome. the that's vital <laughs> thing to bring my snacks and my blanket occupied half of my luggage <laughs> i'm not even <laughs> joking like no clothes worth and, it. <laughs> and then um my boyfriend also gave me like these, so I really love plants. Like I'm obsessed with plants. <laughs> so my boyfriend gave me these like fake plants from Dollarama that I could put and decorate my tent with. <laughs> so that's it was so sweet. It was basically home. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: That's really cool. Um, how did you? So I imagine there's definitely an interest in kind of the outdoors that goes along with this kind of research. But how did you get interested in the space and kind of sciencey or uh, sorry space science aspect of this? Uh, research as opposed to more of just kind of like the ecological general earth focused stuff that comes with a lot of outdoorsy research.
2: So I actually started as um, an undergrad in integrated science, which is a program at McMaster. So that actually was all of the sciences combined. We also have a version of it here at Western. It's called WISC, so the Western Integrated Science Uh, program, um, which they actually took the blueprint from McMaster, and they also have some of our professors here. So my first year physics professor is now one of the professors here at Western. How fun. Yeah. And so this program actually kind of fostered the interdisciplinary learning in me, especially. So ever since I was little, also, I've wanted to be an astronaut. I should have started with that. (laughs) I wanted to be an astronaut since I was like five years old. Um, But I didn't know how to be one. I just knew inside that that kind of fire being an astronaut was in me. Um, And so uh, going into undergrad, I wasn't really planning on doing space. But our first year research project, like my first undergrad project was planning a mission to Mars. And this kind of was very exciting for everybody. Um, So because of the interdisciplinary uh, part of this program, that we had to plan the physics of rocket propulsion. Like we had to pick a fuel for and figure out the ent- enthalpy reaction for chemistry and like um, have a biological like experiment on the surface of Mars when you get there. And then obviously plan a landing site, which is the Earth science portion. Man. And then we also had a psychology, which is like group think. If you're in a spaceship with other astronauts for months was, at a time, it was crazy. And this all happened like within a span of a month and a half. Like this was our first project um and it was really really fun um so i obviously took the earth science portion of that because i really liked uh i just think i really like the outdoors plus also learning at, by doing so yeah. i think that was the science for me because it would is, it would do exactly just that um but yeah so i got r- interested in space from that project but i actually specialized in second year i was going to specialize in physics But I specialized in Earth and environmental science. So to be a good space scientist, I I really believe that you need to be good with whatever uh, you start with first. So whether that be Earth science or like biology, um, physics, astronomy or something like that. So um, to be able to apply it to another planet, I think it's really important to be an expert or understand your... Planet first, and what you're using as like a reference point, Mm -hmm. but then obviously you got to know all the other sciences. And then you got a basic understanding, yeah, all of that too, Um, because it's all connected. And space is very, very, like multidisciplinary as well. So everything happens like biz from business to like law space law mining space law it
1: just makes you think like anyone can be an astronaut no matter what field you're in
2: like (laughs) yeah art (laughs) I don't have to be an astronaut but that's kind of the driving force that's keeping me from doing this yeah yeah I really like planets and ice do you
0: think given the chance to go to space in your lifetime would you would you do it
2: oh my god yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i would
1: love to go even as the first person to mars you take that 100 percent. nice
2: yes
0: that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal <laughs>
2: cool. that
1: would be so yeah. cool
2: i would love to there's a lot of training as well that goes into all of that so i know uh, most of the astronauts are md phd and like if you hear all of their other acronyms and their backgrounds <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of work so we're not there yet but oh.
0: have you ever gotten interested in flying planes like the kind of i was just
2: gonna say it. so after being in the arctic i was ha- hanging out all the time with all the pilots there so yeah they would drive all these twin otters and get us to like places that we can't even land in and yeah. kind of not visibly like in the clouds like you can't you could not even they could not see they would us to places that are impossible to and but they would do it like seamlessly and it was scary but it was good (laughs) I guess so I was talking to a bunch of them and how kind of I could pursue that as a career because I also love planes like ever since I was little going on planes to visit family and stuff like that yeah I was always interested in I don't know gravity and like flying and how that applies I'm actually but working on getting my pilot license right now. Really? Oh my gosh, So I want to awesome. hear what you heard from them. That. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so I plan on doing it like next year, mine. But that's yeah, really awesome. It's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> it's expensive. Student loans.
1: <clears throat> yep, more OSEP. <laughs> yeah. Nights.
0: I used to be really afraid, f- afraid of flying, and then my friend who had their pilot's license took me up in a little two-seater plane. Yeah. And now I'm <laughs> no longer afraid of going in a 747. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, it's nothing compared yeah. to the tiny little little guys at the mercy of them yeah ones. it
2: was crazy like in during the field they would load two atvs our stuff in the back in front of us and they would just tie it with a belt mm-hmm. and then we would be sitting in the very back and we'd be like okay i hope this doesn't like fall on us or <laughs> anything but there's a lot of stuff that you could fit in a plane depending on the size yeah these planes are like awesome they have certainly done the math on, yeah. <laughs> on planes yeah
0: yeah
1: I mean, when your life depends on it, <laughs> <It's true. Yeah. laughs> through the math course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so back to kind of what you've done here in the lab. Once you bring these samples back, I mean, you're bringing kind of ice samples from the Arctic.
2: I actually have no ice samples. You have
0: no ice samples. Mm-mm. Okay. I have
2: sediment samples. Sediment. Okay. Because by the time they get here, they'd be melted, and you you could still do some analysis on them. Right. But I'm more interested in like the grain size kind of that forms these landforms. So. I p- say like Landform X and Landform Y mm-hmm. form in different uh, places, but they look kind of the same. So I take samples from both these, and then measure also the depth of the permafrost or the ice that's underneath it, okay. and then I compare them to each other uh, based on their grain size. So by c- looking at that, you can look at the morphology, geomorphology, which is the shape of the landform, right. and then also develop like a landscape evolution kind of model.
0: Interesting. Okay, so let's yeah. let's break down some of those words a little bit more <laughs> for, yeah, for yeah. living like me. Um, so geomorphology. Yes. Just to kind of talk about what exactly that means and maybe maybe why it would be relevant in space, for instance.
2: Okay, so geomorphology I think is really important uh, because it geo just means earth, yeah, and morphology is the shape or geometry, yeah. So a geomorphology is just describing the shape of something. Yeah. But because it's geo, it's describing the shape of something related to Earth. Right. So a mountain, so say what is the geomorphology of that mountain? Or that um you would say it's like an upside down V. Right. Because you're describing its shape. Yeah. Um and but there's also types of peaks of a mountain. hmm And also this applies to valleys. So if you look at a valley, I can speak to this quite well because this a glacial valley, there's a U shaped and a V shaped valley. Hmm. So you know that a glacier has been there recently if it's a U-shaped because of how the glacier carves out the land. But if it's a V-shaped valley, then you know that that's been um, altered or, like, been sh- uh, changed in some way by a river because okay. uh, fluvial river processes are more incision kind of like. Uh, so and rivers so, really cut yeah, into the mountain. so that's why it's such a sharp V right. because it's more fluvial or if there's more, like, side slope... Processes, um, so that what that's what makes it kind of the shape, the of uh, it, yeah. So, cool. It's really important for planets as well because, um, especially Mars, because that's the only data that we can kind of look at. Right. Right. So we can't really go there and collect a sample and compare this landform to this landform. So we can only see from an image, like what is that? Sh- what is the shape of that glacier? Like which way is it moving? Right. Or that shape of that like volcano. Like what happened to that? How did it form mm-hmm. that way? And so then you can infer using Earth how yeah. that would form in s- another planet. What other Somewhere. planets
1: have these kinds of
2: features? Um, so Pluto oh, okay. is a hmm. not a planet anymore, but <laughs> um, oh, it bye. has <laughs> it's a plethora of glaciers. Like it's basically like a g- glaci- glaciologist's dream hmm. to be on Pluto because it's just made of ice. Um, also, there's a lot in Titan, um, yeah. there's a lot of degraded craters, as, but as well as ice in these. And also, Europa has just a bed like covered of like sea, a right. sea covered with ice, and they think that there's plumes underneath that are forming. Mm. There's a lot of volcanoes on Io, which is another moon. And cool. do we have enough
1: data from all these planetary bodies to be doing the same type of research that you're doing on
2: Mars? Um, I think there's a lot of other missions that are going there to get more data, but I think currently we work with what we have, so mm. we don't have that much because on Mars we have rovers, we have landers, we have orbiters, we have every single, yeah, maybe not every single thing, but <laughs> other than humans. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of closer to us, so it's more accessible and those missions are more kind of stretched out and longer in duration, especially. So mm. but yeah, next year there's going to be Mars 2020. And ExoMars 2020, NASA, and Europe are both trying to go to Mars. Cool. Maybe not at the same time, but. (laughs) (laughs) And are they going to a place that's relevant to your research? Mm, Not quite, but still kind of the sedimentology part. So um, Mars 2020 is going to Jezero Crater, which is full of deltas, which which are basically um, where a river kind of um outflows outflows into and spreads into a wider water body or like a sea an ocean a lake or anything like that Mm -hmm. or just like a transitional zone kind of thing right um and exomars i forgot where they're going Sorry. That's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Look
1: it up. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: How is Mars, how is kind of the land on Mars? I'm always curious about this divided up. Like, have people already given all these different spaces names? Have they kind of given up Mars regions or?
2: Yeah. So like, there's a lot. So, so, learning Mars the map of Mars yeah. it was such a learning curve for me because it was another planet like so yeah. now I could tell you like w- I could point to you where Italy was I could point to you where Africa is Yeah, or something like that but on Mars if you told me there's like no countries on Mars right, right. there's just regions and there's geomorphology yeah. um, landforms that kind of tell you what these th- where these things are and they're all named each yeah. crater is named maybe not each crater most of the craters are named there's there's everything. So on Mars, there's like a very straight kind of um, line in the middle of the planet. Right. It's really big. Yeah. And that's called Valles Marineris, and people often kind of uh, use that as a reference point to help them guide where everything is. Okay. There's like the lowlands and the highlands and the poles. Cool. So
0: how Different. would you how would you list your particular place of interest on Mars in like the regional?
2: Um, so mine is basically the flat one Okay, the flat <laughs> so one. the flat one which is uh, utopia planitia area utopia planitia. That's what it's called so because pretty. they yeah. believe it's just like a flat basin.
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, these uh these names for Places on other planets are just I feel like right? really really cool. I
2: feel <laughs> like I need to look into them, too They're yeah. named somehow
0: a lot of, a lot of Probably Greek after or Latin. People, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I know um, some of the. So Planitia means something. Um, Vallis Marineris. Marineris means something. Yeah. Um, mensae, Fossae. Those words also mean something. Cool. Which I'm still looking into because I'm new to this. <laughs> yeah. Wish we name things like this on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll Pretty be. Cool. Uh, it'll it'll certainly certainly come. That's cool. Um, so, what else do you do outside of research here at Western, as right. a students?
2: Um, so, outside of being a grad student at Western, um, I also like to dance. So, I actually have been dancing since I was five. I so I dance ballet, contemporary, jazz, lyrical, modern, and all all of the other types. But I started dancing ballet, and I actually. Um, was in a professional dance program and I wasn't going to go into university for science. Um, I was actually going to go and I would actually audition to universities f- to get a bachelor's degree of arts in dance. Um, however I didn't pursue that even though I wanted to um, just because I thought that science had more of a calling for me and I had more of an interest there but on the side I really like to go and just teach dance as well here in London. I have a part-time job. I work at Dance Steps on Colborne. Cool. Woo shout out <laughs> <laughs> to Donna <laughs> and Dance Steps. Um, I teach the jazz there every Thursday, and I also choreograph for their competitions as well as their recitals. Um, you guys can all come. It's gonna be next year and probably June around Oh nice, then. <laughs> cool. Um, um, we're also working on a production of The Nutcracker uh, right now. Um, but yeah, it really makes my day just kind of like a sweet switch of scenery. Yeah. Um, just to like see the kids that I teach and like see w- that they love doing that and sharing my love for doing that. And it's just like a very good complimentary like thing. And we, r- I still love it and I, c- I don't think I can ever let go of it. So I'll probably be teaching dance for the rest of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so. so important to have something that you can just yeah. kind of relax
1: doing. Yeah. Like, that's, like, I feel like the most important part about university is just to have that work-life balance. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes
0: I feel like that division between arts and science or the creative things, maybe we can break that division down a little bit. Maybe everyone needs a little bit of artistic outlet and everyone needs a bit of science too, I feel like.
2: Honestly, I um, read this quote by Albert Einstein, and I'm pretty sure it's my favorite quote ever, and he said that, Creative, creativity is intelligence but having fun. Huh. So that was like a quote that I was like, that's really awesome. Because I think to come up, even come up with new ideas in research and in science, you need to be creative oh, with what sure. you're putting out there. Um, yeah, so I also appreciate the creativity part and the fact that you can express yourself in a certain way um, that you really can't with your like research, which is just like xyz needs to match this um so there some creative aspects can be incorporated also into research so i think that's really important and i also like baking baking i'm so Um. terrible at baking (laughs) 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 Um, i like swimming okay uh, because i used to be a competitive swimmer um and i like hiking of course yeah Um, how do you uh, find time for all this honestly i don't know i just (laughs) do it i do it because i love it and sometimes when i'm too overwhelmed My dad always tells me that just take it one day at a time because I'm the person that types that likes to micromanage Mm -hmm. everything that I do and organize like so.
0: Your your planner must be a thing of beauty. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so I need
2: everything to be done this way. But um, whenever I'm overwhelmed, I just drop everything and I just kind of do the things that I love Mm -hmm. just to be. I don't know have more fun yeah,
1: and calm myself down you know it's important while you're young to do that you'll have you have the rest of your life to do school yeah, yeah exactly
0: That's, yeah true okay cool so uh is there anything else you'd like to shout out if we were to find you on um social media or any other kind of media platforms that you like to reach out through how can we uh, how can we do that as listeners
2: I think Twitter is definitely the best place to reach me. Um, You can reach me on my Twitter handle, which is at rocksandrockets with the letter N. So rocks, the letter N, rockets. Um, Yep. And I'm very active on Twitter, and I think that's the best way.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us. That was a great talk.
2: Yeah, no worries. I love
1: being here. Teaching (laughs) us all about ice and planets. And dance. And dance. (laughs) And dance
0: and science and how to be happy. That's great. So this has been GradCast. We are a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University, and we air on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can follow us on social media through Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. That's at GradCastRadio. And if you want to get in touch with us or come on the show, send us an email at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Finally, uploaded and archived episodes of the show can be downloaded through Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Connor Chado, and I'm here with my co host,
1: Nicole Fozzo.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.